0: Hey New Life, welcome back to another week of our sermon. We're super excited you guys are listening with us on this podcast. And so if you don't know, New Life's mission is to develop an authentic community that inspires people to know and follow Jesus through worship, community, mission, and generosity. And so you can stay up to date with what we have going on 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 Instagram and Facebook. You can also find our YouTube channel you can like and subscribe to stay up to date with videos and those things we put out online and so this week here is the most recent sermon good morning new Life family great to see each one of you here today how's everybody doing pretty good See some red jerseys worn with pride. Excellent. We had a good game yesterday. That felt good, huh? Uh, I saw some memes going around of somebody with a saw, like just getting ready to cut my ankle off for Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if we want to go that extreme, but uh, it was pretty funny. And uh, man, we might need to just pray for him this week. We've got to have him healthy for next week, whoever we play. So uh, that was a fun game to watch. And today we are continuing our series on spiritual Wellness. So, it's hard to believe, but this is the halfway point of seven weeks. It's our fourth week in spiritual wellness. And you might ask, why is spiritual wellness important? And the, the quick answer is just so that we can grow closer to Jesus. Relationships with with anyone are, are extremely important. And of course, with God is the most important. And if you've ever been Yearning or searching for a relationship with somebody. Sometimes, uh, one of you might want it more than the other. That's not the way with God. And I was thinking of, of relationships in my own life. And and twenty, almost twenty-seven years ago, Leanne and I met. And uh, really, after about the first week of hanging out, I think we both were pretty convinced we just should just go ahead and spend the rest of our lives together. So, uh, we just started going that direction. And you know what's significant is because we wanted to get to know each other better, we found ways to get together. We found ways to communicate and share our dreams and share sometimes our disappointments and share our tough times. And 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 so spending time together is really, really important for spiritual wellness. And that's Really, what I want to talk about this morning. Last week, Pastor Jeff shared a timely sermon from Hebrews chapter 4 about Sabbath rest. In this series, we've also covered humble confession. Uh, We talked a lot about the mystery of the gospel. And this morning, we're going to talk about daily communion. How am I keeping company with God? How am I hanging out with God every single day? And uh, I use this in my Friday email and I thought it it made a little bit of sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but we are fans of Kevin's car wash. I don't know if anybody else has a subscription to a car wash, but it is amazing. In fact, a a couple days ago, Leanne called me and she said, guess where I'm at? And I said, I have no idea. She said... I'm at Kevin's car wash, you know why? And I said, no, she says, because I can. (laughs) Uh, uh, Go through every day if you want to, I love that. Uh, But I was taking the boys through and I've noticed in our cars that if we go like weeks or months, I hate to say it, uh, between vacuuming and cleaning out our cars, they can get pretty bad. And even if you go and spend a ton of time one day, you still never get it really, really good. But when you go all the time, you get the the little pieces everywhere and that that that's beautiful. And I think the same is true in our own spiritual lives. Consistency is key. Spending time with God on a regular and base a regular basis is very very important. And so this morning our big idea It's very simple, and I hope this is a very practical sermon for each of us this morning, and that is this, we must spend quality time with God every day. And and you might ask, why is this important? Well, one of the verses I want to go to is Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, and the context behind this verse is it's Jesus, and he has just begun his ministry, he had been baptized, he had been in the wilderness for 40 days fasting, he had been tempted by Satan. He came out and he began to do his ministry. He was teaching, he was He was calling his disciples and he was performing miracles. And if you read the beginning of of Mark chapter one, you'll find out that the people begin to hear about and to experience his miracles and they begin to just come together. In fact, verse 33 tells us the whole city was at his doorstep. And so what did Jesus do with this, this much opportunity for ministry? Look at Mark chapter one and verse 35. He rose very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. Jesus needed to spend time with his father. And if you move all the way through his ministry, we see examples of Jesus getting away. But even at the end of his life, when he has Then going into the Garden of Gethsemane, he had 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 the Passover dinner, he's with his disciples. He knows this is the most serious time of his life. He 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 has an idea, he knows what he's going to be to be facing with the crucifixion. And it says that Jesus went away to pray. It says in Matthew 26, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. So if Jesus had to spend time with his father, we certainly need to spend time with our father. And you know, quality time with God is how we grow to love him. Spending time with him is how we begin to learn more about him. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Brother Lawrence in his book, Practicing the Presence of God, had this to say, and I think it's, it's fitting for us. He said, we must know before we can love In order to know God, we must often think of him. And when we come to love him, we shall then also think of him often, for our heart will be with our treasure. So as we spend time with him, our love for him grows. So this morning, I want to go to Hebrews chapter four. This is actually a continuation from the passage that Pastor Jeff talked about last week with our rest and Sabbath rest and the the idea of salvation rest. The writer of Hebrews talks about and a submission rest and then a kingdom not yet rest. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about like the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews says, have rest And then spend time with God. He goes right into the beauty of the scriptures. And so we're going to talk about the word of God and why it's important to read the word of God every day. Then we're going to talk about (laughs) meditation and meditating and thinking about Jesus. And how healthy that is for our soul. And then we're going to talk about prayer and how important it is to pray to God. I think there are three parts to spending time with God every day. I see this in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to tell you, you are going to have to nurture your own relationship with God. This is helpful for you, I hope. Uh, but, But don't just take exactly how I say it. But allow God to work through this. And I think it's important to spend time with God every day. I think it's important to meditate on the gospel of Jesus every single day. And it's important to pray every single day. And when we do this, I think our spiritual life will certainly grow. So let's talk about prioritizing time in the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, he says this. After talking about rest, he says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight." but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The word of God is very powerful. And and what is this writer talking about when he talks about the word of God? We know from context, the writer of Hebrews is referring back to Psalm 95. If you look at chapter three of Hebrews, you will see him quoting from Psalm 95. We know this was written by God, the Holy Spirit. And it was a living word as the psalmist wrote it, as the writer of Hebrews writes it down. And it's a living word as we receive this today. In verse 11, we read the writer of Hebrews wants them to avoid what happened to Israel. What happened to Israel? Well, they fell into disobedience in the wilderness. They had been delivered from Egypt... If you remember the miracles of the plagues, remember when, when Israel was in Egypt and Moses went before Pharaoh and all of these plagues, the ten plagues, one after another came. Finally, Pharaoh allowed Israel to go and they leave. And they, they had an incredible deliverance from this bondage. You might remember the story of the Red Sea. They come up to the Red Sea, miracles. They they were sustained with manna and quail, yet they failed to trust God. And in chapter 3 of Hebrews, in verse 8, it says, he says, like Israel failed, he says, don't harden your hearts. He says, don't go astray. He says in verse 12, do not fall away with an evil, unbelieving heart. So he is quoting the scriptures, and he's saying, this word of God is active and it, it pierces into our hearts and exposes us. So that spiritually, we, we are wide open before God. And th- this is a very vulnerable state. And God lovingly takes us here. So you might ask yourself, well, what is the word of God? And, and I think Peter describes it really well in 2 Peter so we know, I think, Peter a little bit here in church. He's the, he's the disciple who was, like, really aggressive. He kind of said it, and then he thought about it later. He got himself in trouble. But Peter, towards the end of his life, communicates something to us about the power of Scriptures. And I want to take you here to define the Word of God. And so if we go to 2 Peter chapter 1, this is what Peter writes. He says... For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. We made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter is reflecting back on his time with Jesus. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is reflecting back to the mountain of transfiguration. When he heard the voice of God and he saw Jesus transfigured. can you imagine how powerful that would be, that experience? Listen to how Peter describes that experience. And then he says this. He says in verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. He says, the scriptures you are receiving is more, have more confirmation than what we experience on the mountain of transfiguration. He says, to which you will do well to pay attention. And I think he's speaking to us about the word of God. Pay attention to the scriptures. As to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your, in your hearts. Verse 20. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Listen to what Peter says. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This Bible that you hold in your hands this Bible that you read on your app or even listen to in your headphones, this Bible is the written truth from God Almighty. Wow. So, this is what we have. This is what we have been given. And to be honest with you, I don't know if we respect it enough. I don't know if we spend enough time here like is it really important enough for us to say i'm going to carve out 30 minutes a day and spend time here that's important so what does the what do the scriptures do to us the writer of hebrews describes this incredibly The Bible is much more than stories about military conquest and miracles. It's much more than just commands and prophecies. It is all of that. But God's word is powerful to expose our sin and provide hope for eternity. The scriptures tell us why we're here. They tell us where we came from and where we're headed. And so the writer of Hebrews says the word of God is living. This means it literally imparts life to the dead. He says it is active. This is the word for energy. It means this word is effectual to accomplish what God intends. He says it's sharp and piercing. And he draws out the picture of a surgeon coming in to find a a tumor of sorts or cancer and, and just Just guiding that scalpel around to cut that out and to expose that. That's what the scripture does to the sin in our lives. It shows us where we need the gospel. Where we need to remind ourselves of the gospel of Jesus. I like that it says it's discerning. It judges us down to the thoughts and intents of our heart. This is merciful of God to give this 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 vision to us, to give this time as the scriptures just come and illuminate the darkness of our hearts. I like what Soren Kierkegaard said. He said, when you read God's word, you must constantly be saying to yourself, it is talking to me and about me. The scriptures have changed many lives. I I know each of you could probably give testimony to how the scriptures have affected and transformed our lives. I was thinking of individuals who God has changed their lives, maybe from being far from God to becoming close to him. If you've helped your kids on any elementary science projects, you might be introduced to, to Francis, Sir Francis Uh, I want to say Collins, but it's not. It's Sir Francis Bacon. And he is the father of the scientific method. He was always an individual who was, was questioning antiquated systems. He was a genius. At age 12, he began college. And this is what he has to say. He says, God has, in fact, written two books, not just one. Of course, we are all familiar with the first book he wrote, namely Scripture. But he has written a second book. Called creation. And Romans chapter 1 affirms this when he says, Not only do the scriptures testify of who Jesus is, but the ordered world around us also testifies to who Jesus is. And the other Francis is Francis Collins, and he discovered genes causing genetic diseases. He was an atheist, he was in charge of the National Institute of Health for more than a decade. Incredible story. I would challenge you to, 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 to learn more about his story if you can, but this is what he has to say, and he's still alive today. He said, the God of the Bible is also the God of the genome. He can be worshiped in the cathedral or in the laboratory. His creation is majestic, awesome, intricate, and beautiful, and it cannot be at war with itself. In his discovery he, he came to the point where he realized there is so much intention to the, the world in which we live. There must be a God. And he, he's revealed himself to us in the scriptures. So I hope you agree that it's important for us to spend time in the scriptures. This is God's word to us. And you might be here today thinking, I want to, but it's it's hard. I mean, where do I start? What does it mean? How do I get there? We want to help you. Um, There's a QR code you could click. And this goes to a page on our website that is about devotions. And there is a video on there to help you learn how to navigate through Version. Uh, there are some scripture passages on there that we as an elder team have come up with. Just we think are 30 really important passages. If we say, hey, for 30 days, I want to read some really important passages. That's on there. There's some help. to so like how to have a quiet time. Um, if you can't catch the QR code, you can go to our connect page and it says devotions there. Uh, you can click on that. You can find it on our website. We want to help you spend quality time and learn how to read the scriptures. Uh, We think it's really important. And I think, obviously, uh, if you're here, you probably do also. So spending time in communion with God, it's important to read the scriptures. They're God's word to us. But I think it's also important for us to reflect on the gospel of Jesus, to take a few moments As the scriptures expose us, as he says in verse 13, for who we are spiritually, it might leave us in a place of like, oh, wow, this is like I'm feeling almost hopeless. And this is when we remind ourselves of the gospel of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, later on, he says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So once we go to the word of God that is living and sharp and piercing and discerning, we must look to Jesus. Martin Luther talked about this passage, and this is what he said. He said, after terrifying us, the apostle now comforts us. After pouring wine into our wounds, he now pours in oil. And we read in verse 14 of chapter 4, he says the word of God is discerning and sharp and living. And then he says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. I think it's important for us to remind ourselves every single day that Jesus is sufficient To forgive our sins. We have to remember this. Jesus has once and for all suffered and paid for our sins. He's cried out, It is finished. Romans says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So, one act of righteousness leads to justification or being made right with God and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, talk about Adam, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. As we read the scriptures, it exposes how awful we are. We have to direct our attention to Jesus, who has sufficiently covered our sins. Isn't that amazing? remind ourselves of the sufficiency of Jesus. John Frame said nothing can be added to his redemptive work and nothing can be added to the revelation of that redemptive work. But Jesus is also sympathetic to understand our plight. Verse 15, he continues, he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. We might be in the scriptures and God is revealing these sins that are in our lives as we we look at the mirror of the word of God. And we have to remind ourselves that he is sufficient, but he also understands it. Lest we become so discouraged in a besetting sin that we think there is no hope. Jesus has felt it. Jesus felt hunger and thirst and fatigue. He endured torture. He knew what it was like to be mocked and distrusted and betrayed. He had no home. His family thought he was out of his mind. His disciples left him. He was betrayed. He's been through it. He's been through it. He feels it. And he's here for us. Having a friend who understands what we've been through is so meaningful, isn't it? I was thinking back more than a a decade ago, planting a church can be difficult and going through some, some tough times in the beginning. And God brought Pastor Dave into my life in 2010. And we hit it off almost immediately. And I can remember sitting down over coffee or in an office and just sharing Struggle and 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 someone hearing it who, who had felt the same thing, it's very comforting. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is telling us about Jesus. He says, He gets it. He gets us. He feels the pain we feel. And so as we consider time with Jesus every single day, I think it's important to read the scriptures. And I think it's important to to pause and just reflect on who Jesus is as our sufficient Savior, as our sympathetic high priest. What would it take for us to pause and reflect on Jesus as a type of meditation? When I am tempted towards shame, I must remember that his forgiveness is sufficient. When I am tempted to feel lonely or forgotten, I must remember that Jesus has felt the same. So we we spend time in the word. We think about Jesus, I hope, on a daily basis. And the final thing is prayer. So the writer of Hebrews gets to verse 16 and he tells us this, this incredible promise. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer is so important, but isn't it difficult? I mean, if you're like me, I can start praying, and 10 seconds later my mind is like, whoop, over there. Doesn't that happen sometimes? It's like I have all the greatest intentions to have calluses on my knees, and it's not happening. Prayer is tough. And I know it's like the easiest thing for a pastor to preach out because every single one of us is like guilty as charged. I mean, how many of you would say, ah, I think I might be praying a little too much. (laughs) I mean, that just doesn't happen, right? Prayer is so difficult. And then it's like, what do I even pray? How do I pray? So I want to provide some help and encouragement to come around you because prayer is so important. And sometimes we have the best intentions, we draw blanks. We start daydreaming. We might even feel more distant after we pray. We have distractions. We have schedules. We have sins sometimes. And it's like, oh, I just can't go before him right now. So let's, let's think about this because the writer of Hebrews graciously says we can have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace. And can you think about this for a second? I mean, imagine if we were to be physically ushered in to the throne room of God. What, what, would, you, what would you say? Like, hey, uh, can I get a new car? Can I? No. I mean, we would be on our face. I mean, isn't, isn't that how we would approach him if we were in his presence? I mean, we would just be humbled. And, and this might help us in our approach At the same time, he does lovingly want us to ask for our requests. He lovingly wants to bring our confession to him. He lovingly wants us to worship him. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us to boldly enter the throne room. Oswald Chambers put it this way. We tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Most of us would prefer, however, to spend our time doing something that will get immediate results. We don't want to wait for God to resolve matters in his good time because his idea of good time is seldom in sync with ours. So... A few days ago we had an elder meeting and Pastor Dave opened it up with a challenge for each of us and he talked about Prayer. And it was super meaningful to my heart. So I asked if I could share it with you all this morning. And of course, he said we can. And so I, I want to help practically on how we can pray because distractions come. And he used something called focus definitions that I thought have been very helpful. And in the few days, it's been helpful for me also. So um, I think there's four parts to prayer. Pastor Dave uh, has mentioned this. and 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 there's no like, perfect prayer. Um, we have the Lord's Prayer, which takes about 25 seconds uh, to get through. And, and I want to walk through this a little bit with the Lord's Prayer. And he begins his prayer by saying, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And I think this is some worship. And I think worship should be a part of our prayer life where well, we praise and thank God. Like, wow, God, you are amazing in your creation and you are amazing in your provision. Thank you, Father, for what you do for us and what you've done for us. But isn't it quick for our minds just to kind of just just bounce off to to different things? And so these focus definitions, worship is bowing ourselves down before the greatness of God with humility and and submission. And so you might just literally pray this, Lord, I bow myself down before your greatness with humility and submission. Lord, uh, I want to give loving expressions to you for who you are. In what you have done, and i 've included these on the app, or if you, if you wanted to, to use these in your devotional time they 're centering prayers to help us worship worship is important, but intercession is important, asking God to meet needs and desires and so as you spend time with him, maybe you take a moment of your prayer life to say, "Lord, I, I have some needs of my heart." I, 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 I have a friend who needs healing. I want to pray for this person. I want to intercede on their behalf. Or maybe I have a job offer. Do I take it or do I not? Lord, please help me understand what it is. And he says this in his prayer. Jesus' prayer, he says, give us each day our daily bread. This is a prayer of intercession, of need that we might have. And so intercession is a person with a regrettable need, burden, or affliction going to the Lord with the conviction that he is the only one who can meet it. It is making requests and expressions of our concerns to God for ourselves, and for others and for our world. We're called into this opportunity to bring this before God. And you could use these focused definitions just to help bring our mind towards interceding. The The third part of prayer is confession and repentance. It's acknowledging our sin. This is super important. In Luke chapter four, Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. What does this mean? It means we agree mournfully with God about our sin, admitting with regret that it is wrong. Father, today, this week, I have failed you with an angry spirit or I have failed you with pride, or I have failed you in going my own way. Whatever the sins might be, call them out and be specific. Confession and repentance, and these focused definitions can help also. And then he includes warfare prayers, and I think this is important. We are called to use the armor of God against temptations. And he says, he prays, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, The world in which we live is not easy. And there are temptations like like arrows from the evil one that come at us from all directions. What if our prayer life included worship and intercession and confession and also included this time of praying for strength against the evil one? I think it's important every day to make time to take up the shield of faith and to hold off the attack from the evil one. So how can you and I take time to worship, to intercede, to confess, repent, and pray against temptations? I hope this is something that becomes a part of your daily routine. I also want you to know that as a church, we pray every week, Wednesdays at noon. Every one of you are welcome to join us. It's a pretty simple setting. We play some music for 15 minutes. We read a scripture, and we go right into prayer for 30 minutes. So if you give us a prayer request... We pray about it. We are very serious about praying for every request that comes in here. And then for the final 15 minutes, it's just a quiet time for you to meditate, to pray, to read, and to spend time with the community of believers in prayer. I understand schedules are tough and and can be difficult. And of course, you can pray with us. Uh, we have a prayer team. You can send an a, a email. into info at newlifekc.org. If you want it to be a part of that prayer team, you can receive these requests on a weekly basis. And so wherever you are, you can pray as a church for the church. We think prayer is really important. And, and I think it's an important part of our everyday life. So I'm going to wrap this thing up this morning. I want it to be practical. I want to challenge each one of us here today to carve out time. Every 24 hours to to schedule if we need to, to say, God, this is your time. I'm going to commit to reading the scriptures. I'm going to commit to reflecting on Jesus, the whole reason we exist and are here. And I'm going to commit to spending time in prayer every single day. I wrote down in my notes some accessories. Um, to accessorize our time with the Lord. I don't even know if this is a good thing or not, but we have some girls in our house who like to accessorize. (laughs) I have no idea why I'm going here right now. Okay, but I like to have a good chair. I like to have a couch. I like to go outside if the weather's nice. I like to sit in a certain place. I like to have a lamp on. I like to have it comfortable. Find a place you enjoy to go, to spend time with God. Maybe it's a coffee shop. Maybe it's your living room. I don't know where it is, but find a place where you meet with God every single day. So, a couple questions for reflection, and Mike's gonna wrap us up in a time of communion. How can you improve your time in the Word of God as you think about it? Could you take some time every day to reflect on Jesus? And how can you spend more time with God in prayer? As we consider our spiritual wellness, I think spending time with God every day is essential. So, Father, as we're here today, I pray that you would continue to to grow us. I pray that we would take the steps necessary to spend time in your word, to reflect on, on who you are as our sympathetic high priest, our sufficient savior. And that prayer would become a regular part of our lives every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.